screen behind me, Eric has titled his message, Can You Hear God Speak? And he wants to focus on a couple of verses in Hebrews 1. And, um, but what we'll do, we'll read the whole chapter together, just to get some perspective as to what the author of the book of Hebrews is saying. And then after we've done that, can I invite Eric to come forward? So again, it's the word of God where it says, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father? Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness, Therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment they will be changed. But you remain the same and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Ben. It's a real privilege to be able to share with you this morning uh, from God's Word. Um, It's a bit strange when you read that passage, you think uh, it concentrates so much on angels. And uh, uh, I'm not going to make that link today within the whole chapter, but we're going to concentrate on the first two verses. Profound verses they are, uh, about the fact that God spoke Uh, through prophets first, but then through his son. And that's what this morning will all be about. Now, often you and I hear Psalm 46, verse 10 quoted to us. You you, you would recognise this. It goes like this. Be still and know that I am God. Now, often the inspiration or the message that people draw from that is that we shut out all the clutter, all the noise, you know, the music, the Facebook, the iPhone, And we spend more time in God's word to meditate on it and to hear him speak. Of course, the meditation that I'm talking about is not the uh, mystical kind of yoga, humming, silencing exercises. 
uh, of your soul and your brain. Of course, it's not about that. It is the time that you and I take to read our Bible, to sit about it, to think, to meditate upon that, to compare it with other parts of Scripture, to pray for clarity and understanding. That is true and authentic meditation on God's Word. The other one is a little dangerous, and I suggest you don't uh, fall for that. But I must admit, like one does at the beginning of every new year, Ben just talked about New Year's resolutions, when you make some resolutions... Making time, proper time, for proper meditation of God's word is often very difficult, isn't it? Committing to meditating day and night, like the psalmist in Psalm 1 suggests, doesn't really seem like something we can manage in a 21st century consumer-driven, rushed society and the lifestyle that uh, we have. So, if you are like me, it happens regularly that we can't hear God. No wonder that we in moments of despair then say, Oh God, if you would only speak to me and not be so silent. But friends, the Lord is patient with us when we say these sort of things and, um, and he's tender in his rebukes to you and me when we do that. Uh, one of these rebukes we find in Hebrews 1 verse 1 and 2 and it's our message for this morning. In the past... God spoke to our ancestors through prophets and at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Now what these two verses clearly teach is that God is not silent. He is not withdrawn, sitting in heaven somewhere and being uncommunicative. He's not. It teaches us that God has spoken in two phases, namely before the coming of the Son, Jesus, into this world and then also through Jesus coming into this world. Before the coming of the Son, it says that God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So there's evidence God spoke. He was not silent. He communicates and God wants to connect with you and me. He is not an idea to be thought about. Let's think a bit about God. But he's a person to be listened to, to be understood and more than that, to be enjoyed and to be obeyed. He is a speaking person. Most important, he is a God who speaks so that we may know him so that we may love him and so that we may submit in joyful obedience to him. That is why God spoke. But it also says God spoke through the prophets or by the prophets. Same thing. This means that God's typical way of communicating with his people as a whole was by inspiring human spokesmen as sort of go-betweens. Now God did not write his word in the sky, did he? Or he didn't shout it from the mountains for all to hear or whispered it in, in, into our hearts one by one uh, or into the hearts of the Israelites. He didn't choose any of those ways of doing that. He spoke to us through prophets. 
So this is how it worked. His usual way was he would call a prophet, then he would inspire that prophet to speak and to write the things that he wants to say to the people. God spoke to our ancestors. So when the fathers heard and understood the prophet, they heard God speaking. So God chooses inspired human instruments to speak to the fathers and so God is speaking to the ancestors when the prophets speak and write. It's important that we get that, that sequence there. The text goes a little bit on and then we'll bring it together. The text also mentions that God spoke uh, to, to the prophets and to the fathers through the prophets in many ways and this is where you and I get the assurance that God is not withdrawn and uncommunicative. It stresses, without me having to mention them all, but it stresses the lavish variety of God's communication. This is a great comfort and a huge encouragement to us because we all know that some of those ways in which God speaks to us are hard to understand. If God had only spoken in one portion and in one way, what would have happened if we didn't get it? So we would be very frustrated and we would find ourselves at a great disadvantage, wouldn't we? So he chose to speak in many places, in many times and in many ways. That's the variety that we read about in this verse. And this is the result. This is why it's so important. If you have difficulty grasping his word in Leviticus... You may clearly hear him speak in Proverbs. If you don't see the point in Zechariah, you may still be deeply moved by the message of Jonah. If you don't get the strange visions in Ezekiel, you may be sustained by the sufferings of Job. The point is that God provides a lot of possibilities in the Old Testament where you can hear him. He has spoken, he has not been silent. So we should therefore be a little ashamed in our complaining about the silence of God. It is like you and me living in the apple isle called Tasmania, complaining that there are no apples in Tasmania because we don't see one from our front window. It's a bit like that, isn't it? But now that God has spoken to the ancestors through the prophets, now God's communication is better and greater than before. That communication through prophets was limited now it is much greater. Hebrews says that God spoke in two phases. Once, like we said, the one before the coming of the Son and the other one through the Son's coming into this world. The point here is that if God seems ready and eager to communicate himself in the Old Testament, how much more ready to communicate he is to communicate to us in the New Testament? Why? Because he took his only son and he gave him to us. That's the way he wanted to speak to us. That shows us how ready and how eager he was to speak to us. What the writer of Hebrews wants us to see is that this latest communication from God is greater and better than all the portions and all the ways of old. So when I complain to the Lord and I say, Lord, I want to hear you. Speak to me. I need to hear your voice. Is my complaint really well placed? What would God's response be in view of those words? The speaking of God in the Son in these last days 
is better than speaking uh, because of his speaking through the Son. God has not just spoken by his prophets, but by his Son. Notice it doesn't say this. It's important that we pick this up. It doesn't say, formerly God spoke by the prophets and in these last days he has spoken by the apostles. Because that's if we open the Bible we read that many of the, the letters in the books were given to us and written by the apostles. That's true. And you can see the, the, their crucial role in Hebrews 2, verse 3 and 4. But the point here is that in these last days God has done something very different. To communicate, he sent his son, not just a prophet. The son of God is not just a prophet. Some in his time thought he was just a prophet. We read that in John 9, verse 17. And even Islam, the Muslims today, make that great mistake about Jesus. Jesus is not only a prophet like Moses or Isaiah, and he is far above Muhammad in glory. He is the Son of God, and that means he is God. Like my son uh, is human, like me. The Son of God is divine, like God. That's a powerful way of speaking, isn't it? The point of those words is also to warn us against this, this great mistake that Islam makes. Uh, he was, Jesus was far superior to the prophets. He was the eternally begotten Son of God without beginning and without end. So, God did not just speak by the prophets and by the apostles. He's spoken to us by the coming in the person of his Son. Who Jesus was, what he said, and what he accomplished by dying and rising from the dead is God's word to us. All that is God's word to us. Not just what we read, but the fact that he came, he, he died, he rose again, that is God's word to us. This is what God has said, and that is what we should hear, and this is what we need to listen to far more earnestly than we generally do. So every time I begin to complain that God is silent and that he needs to speak more to me, at that moment I need to stop and ask, have I actually heard his word? Just consider what we just said about Jesus being the word of God. Is this word from God spoken in the Son of God so short and so simple that I have finished with it? Now I need more. Another word. Because we get that in today's day. Christianity is often not satisfied with the word of God. They want more. Special revelation. Special uh, uh, incarnation. Is the aching of my soul and the confusion of my mind really because I have exhausted hearing his word and for some reason I need another word? If I say that, I can feel another gracious rebuke coming to my ears. So the first way that the speaking of God is better in these last days uh, than in the prophets of old is that he has now spoken to the coming, in, in the coming of his son. We read something else there that is very important before we move on. We read that this son of his is the appointed heir of all things and it's got a significant meaning. That's why it's there. God can make good on his promises. We see that in verse 2. Have a look. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son 
whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Now why did the author in Hebrews add all this to that? Because he wants us to dwell on the fact that the one we listen to, Jesus, the Son of God, can make good in the end on all the promises as heir of all things. Remember, in the end, he will have all things at his disposal. He will have in subjection to him all that is. The writer wants us to think about this. What does it mean to listen to a spokesman for God who in the end will have under his complete control and ownership all things, all land, all water, all fire, all wind, all energy, all natural resources, all nations, all military might, all buildings, all bacteria and all viruses, all angels, all demons, all spiritual and material beings except God the, God the Father. Well, being, being the one that owns all that means that he can make good on the promises that he has made. So, if he says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, then he alone can make good on that promise. I want you to think, while we listen to this, think about how limited the words of a prophet was. Think about uh, Muhammad receiving revelation and then uh, trying to add the authority uh, that this has to it. And it just, it just doesn't match, does it? He says, Nothing in creation will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We read that in Romans 8. Then Jesus can make good on that promise because he owns all creation. He has it all under his control. If he says, there shall no longer be death or mourning or crying or pain anymore. He says that in Revelations 21. Then he can make good on that promise because he will own life and death and he rules unhindered over all that causes pain and crying and death. So when you listen to the Son of God, it is different from listening to a prophet. God will make good on the words of the prophet but the Son will make good on his own words. He can make good on his own words because he is God, because he is creator, and because he is triumphant heir over all evil and misery. This is a better word than anything the prophets ever spoke in whichever way in the Old Testament. The speaking of God in the Son is also better than the speaking of the, uh, through the prophets because there will, never be, there will never be a third phase of speaking. That is what he means when he says in verse 2, in these last days God has spoken to us in his Son. The last days begin with the coming of the Son into this world and the word that God spoke by his Son is the, the, word that God spoke by his son is the decisive word. It will not be followed in this age by any greater word or revelation or any extra word or revelation. It is complete. It will not be followed by a replacement word. Bible is redundant, here comes the new revelation. It won't, won't be. There will be no alternative word. You need this bit of extra or not. Friends, this is the word of God. Jesus, the person, the teaching, his life, his death, his resurrection. That is the word of God. So 
when I complain that I don't hear the word of God, when I feel a desire to hear the voice of God, and when I get frustrated that he does not speak in ways that I might crave, what am I really saying? Or am I maybe claiming that I have really exhausted this final, decisive word revealed to me fully in the New Testament? Has it become so much a part of me that it has shaped my very being and given me life and guidance? Or have I treated it lightly? Did I take God's word and skimmed over it like you read a newspaper or dipped into it like you do with a taster and then I've decided that I want something different, something more? If you are a Christian... God is calling us to hear his final, decisive word. He calls us to meditate on it, to study it, to memorize it, to linger in it, to soak it up until it saturates us in the center of our being. But if you're not a Christian yet, God is calling you to hear him speak this final and decisive word so that you become able to hand over your troubles, to surrender your pride, to forget your ignorance and arrogance, to forfeit your inadequacies, to hand in your hopelessness, to eradicate your sinful thoughts, to give up your resistance to knowing that he is real. His decisive word reveals to you how, as author and creator, his perfect ju justice condemns all mankind to death and he subjects this earth to the groaning and decay because of our choice to disobey him. We call that sin. But in this very decisive word, you and I also learn of his love. We learn of his mercy and how in his grace, unmerited from our side, he reaches out to you and offers you full forgiveness of sin. And by believing and trusting in Jesus, the spoken, the revealed, the perfect word of God, by putting your trust and faith in him as the heir over all things, you may know that you have access to a wonderful, perfect, perfect eternal life. Come on then, submit to Jesus, the true Son of God, the true God and heir over all things. He has paid with his blood to guarantee your position in paradise at the great banquet in all eternity. Hear him speak today and begin to meditate on that every day. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for your powerful word. And if, uh, if your word spoken through the prophets to our ancestors and fathers was not good enough, you made it complete because you have sent your son Jesus Christ. We recently celebrated Christmas in which we stand still and consider that gift to mankind. Today, we dwell on how you have spoken by that very coming to earth yourself in human nature, human form. You came to earth.
Today we can see how that is decisive, how that is revealing and that there is nothing else for us needed. So Lord, teach us this morning, help us so that we can take notice of this incredible, powerful, authoritative word of God. And if anything, in 2012, that we will pick up our, our Bibles, that we will make serious business of hearing him speak to us. And Lord, we know that the variety of ways and places and times that you've spoken to us is done with purpose. You have given us the Old Testament and the New Testament for that specific purpose so that if we don't get it here, we'll get it there. If we don't understand it, you reveal it to us there. But most of all, if we don't hear you speak, we may ask the question whether we have forgotten that your son Jesus came to this earth to pay that incredible price for this incredible gain for us, eternal life at the perfect banquet. So Lord, as we leave this morning, as we go home, as we go into this new year, our prayer is that we will meditate on your word day by day until it saturates us and until it is the centre of our being. In Jesus we pray. Amen.